I am excited about preaching the Word of God to you today. Are you excited to receive the Word? Amen. Let's give our teams, all of our teams around the church, a big hand. Thank you guys so, so much. Pastor Carlos, is it possible to get this light on? Okay. All right. We've, we've got to get this light situation settled. Um, <clears throat> all right. Praise God. You know, church, I believe in giving. And if you're new here and you don't understand my heart, let me explain my heart by sharing a, 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 an example with you. We have plenty of needs around this building. There's always things that we need to do. Uh, we could always use extra funds. But just before Christmas, a little African-American Baptist church was vandalized, and it was on the news. A homeless person broke in, and during the COVID period, he squatted there, and he defecated in the church, urinated in the church. He graffitied on the walls and did a lot of damage. Now, that church is just down the street. It's just a tiny little church next to the post office. It's a white, wooded building. Knowing all the things that we need to fix from time to time. We have a roof that leaks uh, when it rains really heavy. We have a lot of things that need to get maintained. But I was in the prayer meeting and the Holy Spirit said to me, give them an offering. We wrote a check for $5,000. You see, we don't give out of what we have. We give out of what we believe. Huge difference. If you give out of what you have, you will always be limited by the natural. But when you give out of what you believe, you are resourced and financed by the supernatural. Can I get an amen? <laughs> amen. So, uh, uh, praise God. I'm going to be speaking this morning. The series is Breaking Free from a Double-Minded Soul. If this is the first sermon in the series that you're hearing, I encourage you to look Grace and Faith Church up on Facebook or YouTube. We have our own channel. And uh, catch up on some of the sermon series so that you could understand and have a better appreciation for where we're going today. But the series, as I've said, is breaking free from a double-minded soul. James says that anybody who's double-minded will be thrown around in life and they become unstable. The Bible tells us the soul has the mind of reason and the mind of emotions. Your heart, your soul is the place of your logic, your memories, your rationale, your belief systems. But it's also the place of your emotions. And when the mind of intellect and the mind of emotions come into agreement, the will of this person's soul is activated. A person who is single-minded. We think of single-minded from a worldly perspective. We think of being single-minded, focused on, I'm going to win this marathon, or I'm going to run the marathon and compete it, complete it. But from a biblical, from a spiritual perspective, being single-minded means that the mind of your intellect and the mind of your emotions come into agreement. That's the place where faith is, and that's the place where miracles happen. Absolutely. You can say Amen. Pastor Tom, did you pull those signs down? You got them all down? I said you can say amen. amen. 
when you're in the place of agreeing on the Word of God and emotionally you're in agreement as well, that's faith and that's where miracles happen. We look to be in agreement with people. Oh, come be in agreement with me when, uh, on this prayer matter. And we're not always in agreement within our own soul. Fractures, traumas, disappointments. I gave a really cool definition of what a disappointment is. In your imagination, you had an appointment. You believed you'd arrive somewhere, get somewhere, attain something, achieve something. You had an appointment in your imagination and you got served up a huge dis. And a disappointment can fracture the soul, the mind of logic and reason becomes fractured between the mind of emotions and in that bruise, in that wound, in that trauma, whether it's a childhood trauma or a trauma from having served in the war or trauma of seeing someone you love uh, taken from you suddenly in front of you, whatever the traumas are, the word of God can heal us and set us free. Can I get an amen? And so the title for today's sermon is called Stitching the Soul Together Again. Stitching the Soul Together Again. There's a little uh, children's nursery rhyme and it goes something like this. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Now the problem with Humpty was that he was in the wrong kingdom to start with. Because if he was born again and in the kingdom of God, then the king of kings, Jesus Christ, would have gotten on his horse and rid, ridden to victory and he would have put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Can I get an amen? I want you to know that no matter what the devil dishes up, if the devil can dish it up, God has got an answer that's bigger and better. Hallelujah. There isn't a wound. There isn't a fracture. There isn't a disappointment. There isn't a trauma or tragedy that God doesn't care about. You say, well, give me a scripture. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he anointed me to preach good news because the world's full of negative, sad, horrible news. And he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to set at liberty those that have been bruised. Sometimes when there's a fracture in our soul, sometimes we actually need a little bit of deliverance. Yeah. Hello? Jesus said it, to set at liberty. You see, you could, you could punch me in the arm. I've been working on uh, my house and... Every once in a while, I end up with bruises. When I get bruised in the natural, it needs to get healed. There's nothing that needs to be delivered. I don't need to be set at liberty. But when I get bruised in my emotions, sometimes it goes so deep. And I have made such incorrect judgments about life, about people who've wounded me, and about God. That those thought patterns and belief systems have become footholds and strongholds for demonic activity. And so Jesus said, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted 
and to set at liberty those that have been bruised. Hallelujah. How many of you are glad you don't live where Humpty Dumpty lived? <laughs> Go on, turn to somebody and say, I'm not a Humpty Dumpty. I live in the kingdom of God. And the King Jesus knows how to put me back together again. Amen. Absolutely. Well, listen. That's not just a, a cute little title or saying. The title is scriptural. And I'm going to show you why the title is scriptural. Uh, stitching the soul together again. Uh, in, uh, <clears throat> in Psalm 107 verse 20. The Bible says, he sent his word and he healed them. He rescued them from, the NIV says the grave. When you look it up, that word in the Hebrew means pit or destruction. Any form of destruction. He sent his word and he healed them. He rescued them from destruction. Isn't it interesting? One moment it's talking about healing. Another moment it's talking about deliverance. Lots of times when our soul needs healing, sometimes there needs to be a little bit of deliverance. But that word healed in the Hebrew is the word rafa. If we could put that up on the screen, it's the word rafa. And it means to heal, to cure, to cause, to heal, to repair, to make whole again. Remember, we're talking about the fractured soul. The mind of logic and reason separates from the mind of the emotions. To repair, to make whole, the primitive root of this word properly means to mend by stitching. We lose so much sometimes when we don't dig deeper in the word of God and not everything translates as fully into English as it reads in the original Hebrew or in the original Greek. And the word of God says that God sends his word and he stitches us back together again. <laughs> Amen. Humpty Dumpty didn't know this, but you know this. And I want you to know this. And I want you to believe this. Because every one of us have been bitten by that fanged enemy. God prophesied in the garden when Adam let that serpent out of his cage, God prophesied and he said, Satan and his seed, all of his demons, will bruise the heel of your descendants. And all of humanity has been bruised. Turn to somebody and say, isn't that the truth? Come on, isn't that the truth? But God finished the prophecy by saying to the woman, and you will have a seed, a descendant, who will come. And with his heel, he will crush the enemy's head. Amen. You see, we could get all excited about the fact that Jesus has defeated the devil. But what about the collateral damage? Some people don't believe that God's interested in the collateral damage. I want you to know that it's not just about crushing the devil's head. It's about the collateral damage. And people are the collateral damage. And if Jesus is concerned and if God is concerned about crushing the head of the serpent, he is equally concerned about undoing the collateral damage, healing the wounded, and setting the captive free. Come on, you're allowed to get happy in this place. 
Amen. God is good. All the time. God is good. You see, last week I made a statement. We're going to put it up on the screen. I said the problem is, if we could have that on the screen as I say it, the problem is the mind of your emotions imprints on you deeper than the mind of your intellect. Now, I don't have time to re-preach that or to explain it. If you weren't here, uh, please have a listen to last week's message. But the mind of the emotion makes a deeper impact than the mind of logic. And so the solution to the problem is we've got to let the mind of the intellect renew the mind of the emotions with a replaced thought repetitively until the mind of the emotions comes into agreement with the mind of logic. To quickly prove the point to those who are hearing this for the first time, when you're filled with fear, you could spit all the logic at it, but fear doesn't go away. Emotions imprint deeper the mind of your emotions. Everything you felt in a moment of disappointment, hurt, heartache, someone you planned to love for the rest of your life has just destroyed all your dreams through one act, one senseless act. And you're crushed and you're reeling and you're bruised. And even though you move on in life, if anything comes close to that arena, that area, that button, and it gets pressed, there are knee-jerk reactions inside of us. I want you to know that God has a remedy and God has a purpose. And he didn't just crush the head of the enemy. He came to stitch us back together again. Amen. Hallelujah. Last week, I shared with you a key that God showed me suddenly uh, a couple of Sundays ago. And that was from Psalm 23. And I showed you, and we're going to put this line by line up on the screen, that David was actually practicing and uh, he was practicing and operating in the spirit of healing his soul. And the Psalms are often healing. How many of you ever feel healed through the, reading the Psalms? Be honest, right? Well, there's a reason. There's a reason. There's a mechanism. God knows how we are made. When we were in our mother's womb, he knitted us together. He knows how we're made, so he knows how to fix us. He knows how to heal us. And in Psalm 23, I shared with you last week very quickly, uh, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The mind of his intellect was informing the mind of his emotions. Here are the facts. God is a shepherd. He's a good shepherd. And I've never lacked anything. And when he says he takes me to green pastures and causes me to lay down there without a care in the world. And he brings me to still waters. David, again, the mind of the intellect is affirming to the mind of emotion. So it's not enough just to say it once. You don't just bring the news to your mind of emotions. You need to affirm it. Not only is God a good shepherd and I never lack anything. Come on, let's think about this, David says. I'm talking to you, soul. You say, well, is that a scriptural concept? Yeah. There was a time where David was 
fighting the Philistine and another enemy came from behind while he was at war and ransacked the village, raped the women, took the children, took the cattle and the sheep. And when David and his men came back, they saw that they had been plundered and dev devastated. And David was somewhat concerned that everyone would turn on him, but he was also full of grief. Trauma had gotten in. Trauma. He's looking at this devastation. Who wouldn't be traumatized? Come on. You go to war and you're winning the battle. You come home and you find that your, your village has been ransacked and your people have been taken. Who wouldn't be traumatized? And da the Bible says that David encouraged his soul. He spoke to his soul. I'm going to tell you right now, there is no self-help book like the Word of God. There is no doctor, psychologist, or psychiatrist that can give you what the Word of God can give you. I want to tell you that New Agers, they can spout all the stuff they want to spout, but all the secrets to life are written in the Word of God. And it ain't enough just to go to church. you got to understand that the Word of God has to be your personal foundation. Fill yourself up. Up with the word of God because it is medicine to my body it is medicine to my mind it is medicine to my soul nothing has healed me or set me more free than digging into the word of God not casually flipping through not having a promise box like a fortune cookie and pulling out a one-liner okay God no I eat, I feast, I devour, I live, I breathe on the Word of God. Thank you, Russ. Glad you're back. Good to see you guys well again. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let me keep moving here. David affirms. He acknowledges the Lord's my shepherd. I don't like anything. Then he affirms it. Not enough to say it once. You got to get the word of God and tell yourself over and over again. You got to expand on it. That's what David's doing in the second verse. He's expanding on the first verse. Let me explain to you how God's a good shepherd and how I like nothing. God brings me to green pastures and allows me to lay down because he's got my enemies at bay. You see how David, with the mind of reason, his belief systems are speaking to his soul. And he informs the emotions and says, God's good. He's a good shepherd. I don't lack anything. He affirms it. He brings me to green pastures, causes me to lay down without any fear. And he brings me to still waters. I shared what that means last week. Go back and listen if you didn't get it. He, he says, point three, the third thing he does. The mind of the intellect prepares the mind of emotions. And David says, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil. What's he doing? He's not talking about a present scenario. He's talking about even if the devil wants to rise up, even if I'm in the middle of trauma, even if the, the enemy has risen up on one side and on the other side, I will not be afraid. He's conditioning his soul. His mind of intellect is informing his emotions. If you're in the middle of a boo situation, I will not fear because God is with me. 
So he informs the mind, he affirms the mind, he prepares the mind. He prepares the, the mind of the emotions. And then in number four, the mind of the intellect assures the mind of emotions by saying, come on, you can be assured that even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you won't be afraid. Let me assure you with that. Why? Because your rod, God, your rod and your staff, they give me comfort. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not afraid. You know why I'm not afraid? Number one, God's staff is leading me. I'm his little lamb. And he holds me in his arms and he loves me. And he thinks I'm cute and fuzzy. You need to get that picture. We all need to get that picture. You look at me in this shape, but next to God, I'm a cute, cuddly little lamb. I got a lot of fluffy wool. <laughs> I'm being fattened up and not for the slaughter. But you need to have that imagery. I have a friend, he, he tells me all the time I'm God's favorite, and he really believes it. He really does. And guess what? He's prosperous. The God you see is the God you get. So David, he assures his soul, listen, you, you, just, you just, I'm preparing you. Even if everything should fall out, the bottom of my world will fall out. Even if the economy gets worse. Even if they come up with another variant. I'm so tired of what the world has to say. I will fear no evil. Why? Because God, your staff, you lead me with your staff and your rod. With your rod, you will smack the lion on his snout and cause him to run away. You see, he's giving reason why he will not be afraid if he should ever be in the valley of the shadow of death. He's conditioning his, his emotions. He's preparing his emotions. And then he assures his emotions with reason. And lastly... David says, surely, goodness and mercy. What's happening now is the mind of the intellect has been speaking to the mind of emotions. And finally, the mind of emotions is coming into agreement. And emotionally, he gets charged up. One moment, he's speaking logically. He's rehearsing the facts. And the next minute, he's dancing at the end of the psalm. And he says, surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of God Forever! The point of healing comes when the mind of the intellect reaffirms and affirms and assures and informs the mind of emotions. And when the mind of the emotions starts tapping its foot, when the mind of the emotions starts walking to the rhythm, when the mind of the emotions starts to get excited, where there was once a fracture, healing starts to occur. Turn everybody and say, this is awesome stuff. I want to show you something. 
You say, Pastor Rob, you have a unique way of fantasizing scripture and embellishing it and coming to conclusions that are not coherent with the rest of scripture. My answer to that is bull. Because I'll show you this principle again and again and again. And all of God's great leaders and all of his generals and all the mighty men and women of God in scripture did exactly what I'm talking about now. If we turn to Joshua chapter 1, we're going to paint the scene, set the scenario. Moses, the indelible, the irreplaceable, the enormity of this man, Moses, who met face to face with God, has just left and gone to be with God. And here's Joshua, always the second now he's got to walk in the shoes of the first. How many of you think you might feel a little bit of inferiority? How many of you think your soul would start speaking to you and fear would start climbing up and down your spinal cord? Hey? And Joshua, knowing this, and I love this about God, he's so real. He's so down to earth. He understands. He knitted us together in the womb. You're a living being. Uh, you are a spiritual person in your mother's womb from the moment of conception. David says it. You saw me in, in the hidden parts, and you were the one knitting me together. He knows how we're made. He knows how you're wired. Listen, the psychiatrist you go see, the psychologist you go see, they might be able to help you a little bit but there's nothing like going to the manufacturer and letting the master of the craft work on you and heal you from the inside can I get an agreement in Joshua chapter 1 verse 6 being this is the scenario and now Joshua this young man has to lead 3 million Hebrew people and what's ahead of them, yes, is the promised land, but what's ahead of them are very angry inhabitants and giants. Joshua had every reason to be afraid. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, God starts to tutor this young man, and he says in verse 6, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, I'm summarizing these verses. He says the words, he literally says these words. Again, be strong and courageous. Verse 9, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. God is speaking to Joshua. You know what he's doing? He's conditioning the mind of his emotions. God is speaking into Joshua's emotions to ready him and prepare him for what is up ahead. Yeah, Joshua, you're going to face some giants. Yeah, Joshua, you're going to have to cross some mighty rivers. Yeah, Joshua, you're going to find there are enemies that are waiting for you. But let me speak into your emotions. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Be strong. Be courageous. For I am with you. Everybody here, I think, knows the acronym for fear. 
The acronym for fear, if you take each letter, the acronym is false evidence appearing real. The reason why false evidence appears real to us at times is because the mind of the intellect, our logic and our reason, has already been fractured from the mind of our emotions. Have you ever been fearful of things that aren't even a reality? Has your imagination ever run away with you and you start putting all these assumptions and possibilities together and before you know it, you've got this dragon in front of you and you're fearful of the situation ahead of you. Come on, if you don't put your hand up, I know you're a liar. Because most of us are like the rest of us. We all do it. I have a very ima active imagination and sometimes it's my friend and sometimes it's my enemy. Joe, I guess I'm the only one. Sometimes my active imagination is my friend. Sometimes it's my enemy. And so I become afraid of things that haven't even happened. I become afraid of scenarios that are in my imagination. They're not in the world of reality. Hello? How many times we are taken down by an imagination, not by a real enemy? Hello? So uh, fear, the acronym, false evidence appearing real. The reason why false evidence or non-existent things cause us to shake in our boots is because the mind of our logic and our reason has already been severed and fractured and disconnected from our emotions. Wherever we fear, the fear of man, the fear of public speaking, the fear of getting out of your house, the fear of uh, interacting, the fear of opening up, the fear of high uh, high. Uh, Tall height. There you go. Thank you. The fear of making a mistake in the middle of your sermon and not having the words to go with it. <laughs> Let me teach you by practical demonstration. <laughs> the things we fear are often things we imagine. Why are we afraid of people? Because we presuppose an imagination that you'll reject me, you'll think I'm stupid, you'll think I'm silly, you'll disappoint me, you'll hurt me. Is it a reality? No. I haven't even given it a chance to happen, but in my mind it's a reality. It's false evidence appearing real. Why is that fear there in the first place? Because somehow I was traumatized in that arena of relationships and there's already a fracture in my soul. Behind every fear, somewhere there is a trauma that caused the mind of reason and logic and sensibility to get disconnected from the mind of your emotions. And now your emotions are anarchic. They're in anarchy. They're without control. Good preaching, Pastor Ron. Turn to somebody and say, the word of God gets me. God understands me. And he knows how to heal me. 
Come on, say it. He knows how to heal me. Amen. You notice I read to you Joshua 1.6, Joshua 1.7, Joshua 1.9, and I left out Joshua 1.8. Because the key is in Joshua 1.8. In verse 6 he says, be strong and courageous. Verse 7 he says, be strong and courageous. Verse 9 he says, be strong and courageous. Don't be fearful and don't be discouraged. How many of you know when you're full of fear you get discouraged? Absolutely. You suffer from depression? The Word of God's got great counseling. Listen, I'm a good counselor. And the reason why I'm a good counselor is I've recognized principles in God's Word. Nobody understands humanity like God. Absolutely. I find fellow human beings are less understanding of their fellow human beings than God himself. Absolutely, it's the truth. But in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, I told you that I, I'm not just pulling this thing out of one scripture. This is a principle in the Word of God. And I'm going to prove it to you by bringing you to another example. God is speaking to Joshua, and Joshua mentally and emotionally would have every reason to have imaginations that would cause him to be full of fear. And God's addressing that. He addresses the mind of his emotions and says, don't be afraid, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to be with you. And he's addressing the mind of his intellect by giving him assurances that God will go ahead of him. But watch this, in verse 8, God gives Joshua a very powerful key. Look, I don't know how people run a 60-minute service. I'm never going to run a 60-minute service. You are worth too much for me to spit at you and say goodbye. When I was a kid, we had stuff like brill cream, you know, and uh, you'd put it in your hair, and you'd just put a little dab on your, your hand, and that'll keep your hair in place all day. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want a little dab of the Word of God. I don't want a little dab of the Holy Ghost. I want everything I can, because we are coming to the last days, and the bride is going to come just like the parable that Jesus talked about, and they're going to be ten virgins. Five of them won't have extra oil, but five of them will have done their due diligence, and they gathered up all the oil they can get. In the days we are living in, now is the time for the church, and pastors should be saying this from the pulpit. It's not a, it is not time to dip your toes in church and to see how fast you could get in and how fast you could get out. It is time to bathe in the river of the Holy Ghost. It is time to drink at the fountain. It is time to get full of the Spirit of God because that's the only one who will take you through the times that we are starting to see. I preach the way I preach. For the five virgins that are wise who want as much oil as they can get. I said to someone the other day, really? Really? You want a 60-minute service? Do you tithe? They said, yeah. I said, so you bring your tithes and offerings, and you would rather get less than get more for your money. I'm going to give you seconds I'm going to give you thirds. I'm going to give you a doggy bag so you can take some home and gnaw on it all week long. Hallelujah. 
You know why? Because I'm determined to be a good shepherd. And I'm going to give you more than you can eat at the table the first time. You're going to have to sit down and chomp away at it again and again and again. And if that isn't value, then I don't know what is. Somebody took me to a French restaurant. Main course came out. It was like an hors d'oeuvre. I went home and I had to eat. This ain't a French restaurant. Have you ever been to an Italian restaurant? Come on now. My mama's house was an Italian restaurant. And when you come to this house, my father's house is like an Italian restaurant. You can't leave hungry. You got to leave stuffed to the gills and with a doggy bag with food left over. I, I was invited to a night of worship, the worship team. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I love these guys. I am so impressed with these guys. I tell you all the time, we have great worship because they're worshipers. So I'm, yeah. so I'm always hearing how they get together at Lydia and Joe's house, and Lydia's a great Italian cook. Uh, she's, uh, she's a little Italian girl. And uh, I was so excited, I finally got invited. I was allowed to come. I felt like a little kid in a candy store. Yippee, 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 yippee. I'm not cooking this time. I get to eat somebody else's food. And I knew there would be tons. Everybody knew there'd be tons. I was the only one who wasn't told. Everyone came in with Tupperware containers. I said, I'm looking. What's that for? Oh, no, Lydia always tells us to bring Tupperware containers because we got to bring the rest home. My first complaint of the night, why wasn't I told? <laughs> I went there to eat. I went there to party. This is social time. We finish eating. Each person had to say three things they appreciate about another person. Each person had to give a little sermonette on a verse. They're at church. I'm thinking, when's this going to be over? No. <laughs> and when you have about 12 people and everybody's doing this, it's not short. And then we had some dessert. Yummy. Dessert. Yay. I'm getting ready to go home. And then Kim sits down at the piano. Pastor Steve comes around. And I'm watching. Oh, they're going to practice something new. All of a sudden, all the worshipers start coming around the table. And they start to sing and worship. And I got to tell you, I couldn't be proud these young people because here's an opportunity to just let their hair down and hang loose and just have fun and be social no yeah they, they got social around the throne of God and they started a worship and I got to tell you the worship there with one instrument was even better than the worship we get here so proud of them they're worshipers and they didn't do it because I was there. I find out they do that all the time. 
God gives Joshua a key. If you just want to be in and out, cover up your ears. Because what I'm going to say will just go over your head anyway. But if you want to drink at the fountain of God, listen to what God told Joshua. In chapter 1, verse 8, he says, this law that Moses wrote down, the Torah, these five books, I have revealed myself in these scriptures. And he says to Joshua, I want you to take this book of the law and keep it on your lips all the time. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it and then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, unfortunately, we interpret it from the Hebrew without a Hebrew mindset or cultural understanding. And we interpret it clean, fast, and easy so you could read it, skim through, and get on to the next page and say, I read a whole chapter. But when you go back to the Hebrew, you see that each word has such depth of meaning. Here in English, we, we cheat you with our language. One minute you love your dog and then you also love your wife. It's like, I love ice cream. I love you, honey. No, in other languages, there are specific words for loving ice cream and loving the love of your life. And the same with Hebrew and the same with Scripture. And so if you're just quickly dancing through the Scriptures to see how much you can read, you're going to miss the deep stuff. So if we look at this here more deeply, I'm going to show you that what I've been telling you about Psalm 23 is right here in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Because when God says, I want you, where is it? Here, keep the book of this law always on your lips. Be repeating it. Meditate on it day and night. That word meditate is the word daga. And it means to murmur in pleasure or in anger. Meditate. You see, we, from a Western perspective and even from an Eastern perspective, we think of meditation as emptying your mind. And they tell you, if you watch the meditation videos, which I don't, I only quickly looked at so I can talk to you about, uh, think about your breathing. I'm so good at it, I don't have to think about my breathing. I just breathe. There's one technique, breathe through one nostril at a time. I do that when I'm snoring. My nose gets stuffed up, only one can breathe, and all of a sudden I sound like a foghorn in the middle of the night. In the Hebrew culture, in the Word of God, when it says to meditate, it says murmur. Speak the Word of God audibly, Sometimes softly with pleasure, sometimes in anger. Okay? It goes on to say, uh, a low, indistinct, but often continuous sound. God just said, don't let it depart from your lips. Now he's saying, meditate, don't let it depart from your lips. It means, dagar means to roar, to growl. To utter, to speak, 
to muse. What does muse mean? According to the dictionary, to say to oneself in a thoughtful manner, to talk to yourself with emotion. And God says to Joshua, Joshua, I want you to take the things that Moses wrote down. If you want the same anointing on your life that was on Moses' life, if you want to be able to see the Red Sea separate, if in the face of your enemy you want to see the face of your God, in the face of defeat you want to see the face of victory, I want you to take the words that I spoke to Moses. It was in him. He was full of it. And he wrote it down. And don't let those words stop coming out of your mouth. Meditate on it. Speak it softly. Speak it loudly. Speak it with pleasure. Speak it with anger. Roar like a lion. Growl. Sometimes I, you say, well, why would I growl the word of God? When I'm talking to the devil, I growl. I take the word of God and it comes out of my mouth like a growl. When I speak to mountains, when I speak to things going wrong, I don't whimper the word of God. I speak it like the roar. Why? Because the lion of the tribe of Judah is going to show up when he hears this little lion cub roaring in the middle of the night. Hallelujah. You see, this is what God said to Joshua. How much of this we miss by just glancing over the scriptures according to the word of God to meditate is to take God's word and to speak it to yourself with emotion. Happy emotions. And sometimes I take the word of God and with anger and indignation I speak to demons and I growl. And they hear the rumbling thunder of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, this is what God said to Joshua. But there's another secret hidden in the Hebrew here. And that is, it says uh, in, in this verse, if we go back to the verse, it says, Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. And we read that and we've interpreted that in a legalistic way to do. Oh, read all the requirements so that you do everything that you're required to do. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. Make sure you do this. Did you close the back door? That's not what it's saying. There is a nugget hidden in the word to do. Some translations use the word observe. But it is not a legalistic meaning of making sure you take care of the checklist and do all these little things. No. It's something way better. It's a Hebrew mystery. How many of you want to hear what it is? This is phenomenal. This is phenomenal. I'm going to share with you something, and if you really get this here, it'll change the way you handle the Word of God. The word to do or to observe, depending on what translation you're reading, is the Hebrew word asa, asa. And it means so that you will accomplish, you will advance, you will become you will bear. What does a fruit tree do? It bears fruit. 
In other words, from within, it bears what is inside, and it bears it on the outside. Hallelujah. You will bring forth. So what God is saying to Joshua is this, very different than how we read this in the English. He's saying, Joshua, I want you to take my word, and I want it to be on your mouth all the time. I want you to speak it softly. I want you to speak it loudly. I want you to get emotional. I want you to say the word of God with pleasure, and sometimes I want you to say it with Gusto. I want you to speak the word of God over and over again with your mind of your intellect and the mind of your emotions because what will happen is that the word of God that came from my mouth will start to do something on the inside of you and it will bring out of you the ability, the transformation. It will bring from within you the power. It will bring out of you all that is necessary to accomplish the task that is ahead of you. Wow. I have fruit trees. You know how I get fruit? I water the tree. It soaks up the water. It soaks up the sun. Soak up the word of God. Get in the presence of his son. And before you know it, you'll be popping out the fruit that comes from the hand of God. You see, I I had to get delivered from the spirit of fear. I had so many problems as a kid. I don't look fearful now, do I? No. No. The roar you hear is genuine. It comes from a kid who was so traumatized, full of inferiority, full of rejection. But I took the word of God and I started to meditate in a biblical way. And my mind and my, the mind of my intellect and the mind of my emotions started to heal. And in a minute, I'm going to show you exactly how to do that. But I want to give you a one-liner that I hope you never forget. Are you ready for the one-liner? When the word of God is in you, the spirit of God will come through you. When the word of God is in you, the spirit of God will work through you. People want to hear sermons. Now listen. (laughs) You got to preach sermons. Oh, I could never get up there and preach. Preach to yourself. Take the word of God and reason the word of God. Speak to yourself. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Speak the word of God to you. Let your emotions get involved. Say what God says. You know, most of us, you know why we have phobias? You know why we have anxiety? You know why we go into depression? Because we repeat to ourselves what we hear the devil saying to us in the first place. Jesus said, he's a liar from the beginning. He's a murderer. 
His words will destroy you. His words will kill you. That's why God sent his word to heal you, to stitch you together, to bring you back together again, to deliver you from the pit, to deliver you from the grave, to deliver you from destruction. Hallelujah. You see, there is power in the word of God. But we keep it closed and safe between the leather covers. The best place for the word of God is on your lips. Speak it. Say it to yourself. Amen. Because when the word of God is in you, the spirit of God will work through you. Yeah. Do I just take one scripture and make some fantastical summation? No. Let me prove it to you yet again. You see, this is so important. I don't... I've been preaching over 40 years. I'm 63 years old. I've never had anybody ever preach this to me. And I've never, I've never had someone preach what meditation means from the word of God. And I've never had, I've never heard a sermon on it. And yet this is so important. We teach children in Sunday school to memorize scripture. And some of us have memorized them, but it... It, that we just have mental assent. There's a slight mental acknowledgement. I know this verse. In Psalms 119, I'm going to prove this to you again. Verse 11 to 16. Now you just heard what God said to Joshua. And by the way, if you go home and read that story, God says to Joshua, do this. And everywhere you put your foot. You're going to have success. Put the word of God. Come on. Take my promises and speak to yourself. Come on, Israel. I'm calling you out of slavery. Come on, Israel. I'm going to take you to a promised land. Joshua, everywhere you put your foot, if you talk like this here, God is with me. God is for me. God has taken us out of slavery. I'm not meant to be a slave. I'm meant to be a son of God. I'm not meant to be a pauper. I'm not meant to be broken because of inferiority. I'm meant to be a lion. I'm meant to have a roar. I'm meant to have victory. I'm meant to have a shout in my belly. God said that everywhere we go, we will conquer and he will give us houses we didn't build, vineyards we didn't plant. He will give us blessing and honor and prosperity. You see, and so Joshua, we're going to replace that chair. It's the weight of the glory of God on you. The word of God is transformative. But the devil wants you to read it like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Say that again. I don't want him. He takes me and leads me. No, 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 no. This is how you meditate. God is a good shepherd. And he's my shepherd. He is personally in charge of my life. And he takes me to green pastures. And he takes the wolves and the lions and the bears. And he keeps them at bay so that I can lay down in the green pastures and eat at leisure and eat with pleasure. 
I don't have to worry about the enemy. And he takes me to still waters. Not where the brook is running really fast and I might get caught up with all of my woolly fleece and get dragged away. No. He'll take the time and the effort to take me where the water is shallow so I could go in with confidence and drink to my heart's content. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, nothing, nothing. God, you're my shepherd. You're a good God. And you provide. I don't lack anything I need. And even if I should walk through the valley of the shadow of death, if tomorrow I wake up and they say, there's another variant, mask up and lock your doors, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now that's called meditating. That's called meditating. The devil has filled the word with a counterfeit form of meditation. And then they'll give you some ooby gooby word and they say, that's a mantra. And you'll start speaking a language you don't know. Isn't it amazing? The world accepts that as normal and it's the fad. You can find a a gazillion places on the internet where they'll teach you how to meditate and empty your brain and to get a mantra, but then Christians are afraid to talk in tongues. The devil's a counterfeit. He's an imposter. He doesn't want you lining up your tongue with God's word. Yeah, go on, lady. Thank you. You can come visit again. You too. You've been smiling at me the whole time. Thank you. First time visitors, come on back. Everybody tell them, come on back. We don't play church. We just get real. I, you know, it's real. You're going to get an Italian meal. You go to a French restaurant, you leave hungry. You come to an Italian restaurant, you're going to leave like this. And a doggy bag. <laughs> Greek restaurant, same thing, right? Okay. So David says, I'm going to prove it to you again. David says in Psalm 119, I, I'm showing you again and again and again. This is scriptural. This is spiritual. Most Christians don't know this. It drives me bonkers that the church isn't being fed. Guess what? If I get you in and out in 60 minutes, I make more money on my same pay for less effort than if I labor like I'm laboring now. Anyone notice I'm sweating? Anyone notice I'm huffing and puffing a little bit? Anyone notice I nearly fell through the chair over there? <laughs> You're worth it! When I go to a restaurant, I go to lounge. And when they're trying to hurry me up, and there's still food on my plate, and they want to take it away, I, I tell the waiter, no, 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 no. I got to lick the plate. When I lick the plate clean, then you can take it away. They want to get you out because they got to get the next one in. 
guess what? I'm not rushing to get the next one in. I'm not trying to put in less time for the same amount of money. I'm trying to give you more time for the same amount of money. I will expend myself so that you go home in the sermon. You remember, get that. Did you see the pastor that he fell through the chair? Look at him. He was climbing through. Do you see that guy? He was a first-time visitor, and he thought the pastor was going to step on him. I want you to remember. I want you to remember. I want you to go home with something to talk about. When I was in high school, I hated geometry. I got a geometry teacher. He was an Italian. He coached the wrestling team. And he used to jump up on the desks like this here. And he used to repeat the little uh, things that we had to remember. What, what are they? Yeah. I hated geometry, but this guy was so much fun that I ended up loving geometry. But I love the Word of God a lot more. And if he could do that in the natural for something I've never used since I graduated year 10, then I can put a bit of effort and energy into preaching you the Word of God. Listen to what David says real quick. Psalm 119, verse 11 to 16, I have hidden your word in my heart. The Hebrew word, lebei, the mind of logic and the mind of emotions. I have hidden your word in my heart, in my soul, that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord, teach me your decrees with my lips. I recount all your laws. I repeat them over and over again. Everything in your word, I let it come out of my mouth. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Stop. This time, the word meditate is a different Hebrew word. This time, the word meditate is the word siach. Have we got it up there? Siach. By implication, it's a different word. By implication, to converse with oneself aloud, to utter to declare, to muse. David says, I do this all the time. I meditate on your word, on your precepts, and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. We get into the habit of saying, did you read your word? I think we need to get into the habit of saying, did you preach the word to yourself today? Yeah. I didn't get enough amens. I'm going to say it again. We, we say to each other, did you read your word today? We need to get into the habit of saying, did you preach the word to yourself today? Amen. 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 Stand with me. I'm going to show you how to do this. Stand with me. If you sign up, you'll get my notes. I have numerous examples here of scriptures. I'm only going to go through two that relate to rejection because I'm out of time. Two. If you see Pastor Carlos in that, what color shirt is that? 
salmon. Pink, I didn't want to say pink, he might punch me afterwards, but if you see peach, salmon, pink, whatever, depending on how bold you are when you're standing next to him, sign up. You'll get the sermon every Sunday with the notes. It'll come out on Mondays. But watch this. We're gonna, if you struggle with rejection, give me, there we go, rejection. Who suffers with any form of rejection? They're not going to like me. I've been hurt. My husband divorced me, whatever. Who suffers with rejection? Everybody does. I'll tell you right now, everyone's got an issue of rejection. Psalm 94, verse 14, the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. Now, there's another verse. We'll put the other one up too. Can we put them both up at the same time, Omar? Is that possible? Psalm 27, verse 10, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. I don't know what your relationship's been like with your biological parents. And maybe the rejection is perceived and it's how you feel. Or maybe, unfortunately, they didn't know better and they really did bring a lot of rejection around your life. The bottom line is this. And this is how I heal my soul. This is how I work on the issues in Rob Scarallo. I take verses like this. I look up the subject of rejection or the fact that God will never reject me. And I say, the Lord God, my dad, will not reject his people. I'm his people. I'm one of his peeps. I'm one of his homies. I thank God that he will not reject me. No, he will never forsake his inheritance. He made me a co-heir together with Jesus Christ. My name is signed on that inheritance legal paper. I am a co-heir. He will not forget. He will not reject those that are going to inherit his benefits. I'm one of his people. And even though my father rejected me, even though my mother rejected me, even though... Uh, my son abused me and left even though my marriage fell apart I thank God that the God of heaven and earth will never reject me he loves me he loves me he loves me you see when you take the word of God and start expanding on what it means and you put your name in there because God put your name in there it doesn't matter if you've been divorced twice. It doesn't matter if you've been cheated on. It doesn't matter if you've been uh, left as an orphan and been adopted and been abused. It doesn't matter what kind of trauma you've been through. The Word of God is bigger than any of the poison that comes out of Satan's fangs. Amen. I... I I don't know how to put this inside of you. But as we're heading towards the last days, you want to have extra oil. You want to make sure you're ready. You got to get the word of God. And don't just read it like Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Now you got to let the word of God, let the mind of your intellect, you read the facts and then tell your emotions again and again. And don't stop until your emotion signs on with you and you start tapping your foot. Your voice starts getting a little bit louder. Look, I'm not asking you to be me. I'm unique. There's only one of me. 
I'm not asking you to be as loud as me. No, that's not what I'm saying. If you're super, super, super quiet, and for you being loud, for you to roar means yes, then live saying yes. I'm not asking you to be the loud Italian obnoxious New Yorker that maybe I appear to be. I'm asking you to get your emotions on board because when you do, there's healing in the soul. A double-minded man is unstable in everything they do. Yes, no, I'm afraid. Will it? Won't it? You can't build a successful life. Jesus is anointed to preach good news, to heal, to stitch together the fractured, broken heart, to set at liberty those that have been hurt through life. The seed of Satan, demons have come and bit them at every turn. But the seed of God, the Son of Heaven, has come to squash the head of the evil one and to set at liberty those that have been bruised. Can I get an amen? Amen. Absolutely. So, we just got a couple of minutes. I want you to do what I do. I want you, there's two verses there. And for a moment, I said it's going to be a therapy session. We're going to do this for two minutes. Do you think you could do this for two minutes? Yes. Joe, you think you could do this for two minutes? We got two verses there. One says the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. And the other one says even if my father and mother were to forsake me. I thank God I've had great parents. But even if they were to abandon me. I know that the Lord will always receive me. Now I want you to take those two words and two verses and out loud. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it loud so that you, no one will hear you. All right? But I want you to do it. I want you to preach to yourself, and I want you to own it emotionally. Because when you do, your whole soul, all of your mind, of your intellect and emotions will come into agreement, and the power of God will start to flow through you. I've done this over and over and over again, and I'm going to tell you, I got delivered of the spirit of fear. But part of my deliverance, a man laid hands on me and a, and a spirit came out. But part of my deliverance was me taking verses about God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. And exactly what I'm doing here, I did in my life. I spoke out loud. I got emotional about it. I got excited about it. I convinced my emotions and all of a sudden, I went from just being a de delivered empty shell to being a shell full of confidence and power. Okay? So, everyone, we're going to do this. I'm going to do it real loud. As soon as I start, you start. You got two verses. We're going we're gonna to reject the spirit of rejection. That's right. Amen? Yeah. I want you to see an image uh, you, you ever seen the red stamp rejected? You ever seen that? I want you to see that stamp rejected and then see the blood of Jesus running over it and erasing it. Amen. I'm not rejected. I'm so nice. Who could reject me? I'm so lovable, right, Pastor Tom? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when I'm asleep. <laughs> All right, here we go. 
My father will not reject his people. Come on, everybody. He will not reject his people. I'm one of his people. I'm one of his buddies. I'm one of his homies. I'm one of his kids. And I thank you, God, you will not reject me. And you will never forsake those who are going to inherit all of your blessings. I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And I thank you, God, that I'm part of your inheritance. Hallelujah. And even if my father rejected me, my mother rejected me, and my brother Others reject me. Oh God, I won't be afraid and I won't be dismayed because you will receive me. You will receive me when I'm up and you will receive me when I'm down. You will receive me when I look good and you will receive me when I look bad. I thank you, God, that you are always in a receptive mode when it comes to me. You will never, ever, ever forsake me. You love me with an unending love. I am yours eternally because you chose to make me yours eternally. Yeah! Have a war dance. Dance on the head of the enemy. I've done that for rejection. I've done that for inferiority. They asked me, my family said, what do you want for Christmas? And uh, so many grandkids now. And there's so many birthdays at Christmas, so we just do one present and we do a secret Santa type of thing. And so I'm going to get one present. That's it. I said, I want a T-shirt. But I want a special T-shirt. And they bought me a T-shirt of the face of a lion. And over the face of the lion it says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. One shot at a Christmas gift, and that was mine. Why? Because I wear that verse all the time, emotionally, spiritually. So in every area where I've been broken, hurt, wounded, where I lack confidence, where fear has dominated, I've taken this principle of meditation, not the world's principle. You know how I became a good preacher, Ryan? Say, who said you're a good preacher? I said I'm a good preacher. You know how I became a good preacher? I preached to myself. I preached to myself. Jesus said my words are spirit and life. So I fill myself with his word and I'm filling myself with his spirit and with life. Praise God. Who got fed today? Who's going home with a doggy bag today? Okay.